2: Welcome into Attacking 3rd CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Carlin, analyst for CBS Sports. Because on today's show, she and I are going to chat all about one month countdown to the World Cup. I cannot believe it. We're 30 days out. Before we take a deep dive into everything... Please subscribe to us on YouTube. We're also a podcast, so go ahead and like, download, and follow so that you never miss out on a single episode. The World Cup is just one month away. Subscribe, follow, and download Attacking Third for all of your 2023 Women's World Cup content. Lisa, you are back. woo Recharged, let's just say recharged.
0: I've missed you, I've
2: missed you, Sandra. I've missed you,
0: everyone on YouTube. Um, I'm definitely recharged. Uh, it was amazing. I've missed everyone though. I've been listening to the episode. Shout out to Jordan Angeli, uh, Lori Lindsay yes. stepping in, filling in on the mic, and for all the great producers behind the scenes, Des, uh, Billy, I think, stepped in, Nada, a couple days. So, thank you, everyone, Eric, um, for fill in shoes that are very easy to fill. I've missed you all. There's so much to talk about. Um, I'm the same Lisa Roman, just, you know, (laughs) different last name, same amount of letters, just different last name. I'm going with it. So thanks for the intro, Sandra. I'm so happy to be back.
2: A a shout out to the hubby, the co-host hubby, because I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get used to saying the new name. But you know what? It's like you said, two syllables. We're able to just like, you, you know, go ahead and just like kind of like, go with the same flow a little bit in the introduction, which, which I appreciate. So, uh, Lisa Carlin joining me today, we got to chat all things World Cup and I'm glad you're back. It's, it feels like the perfect time that that you're back.
0: Just in time for the 30 day countdown because the World Cup
2: is literally here. It's, (laughs) I I know you and I like mentally, but like we are locked in. (laughs) We're like, we're there. Like we're ready for this thing to kick off where we are ready to just like be swept up in the summer of soccer, um, but we figured a, a good thing for us to do and, and all of our listeners here with the 30 days is to sort of do an all-encompassing kind of recap. Let's touch on the main points going into this tournament. What are the bullet points? What are the, the, the main storylines, key narratives to kind of keep an eye on as the World Cup gets set to kick off on July 20th? Let's start with some of the basics. Maybe folks aren't aware of this, but for the first time ever in FIFA's Women's World Cup history, there's going to be 32 participating nations. So it's the first time that there's going to be this many countries participating in this World Cup. And I've said this, I think, a few times, especially in your absence, Lisa. And every once in a while when Jordan and I were able to touch on some of these like provisional rosters that have been dropping along the way, I'm like, this is going to be the best World Cup. <laughs> And part of it is because it has expanded. Part of it is because there's going to be more nations participating for the first time ever.
0: Yeah, it's so fantastic because that just deepens the competition. I mean, in like broad strokes, general terms, the women's game is growing. The global game is growing and not just um, the teams and the nations and the availability, but the competition as well, which makes it that much more competitive, especially when you're looking at, um, of the 32 teams, not just the top 10 teams that are coming in, but there's a number of debutants that we get to talk about, the different um, federations that have various teams competing in this one. It just opens the door for so much more opportunity for all these different teams, which creates the better competition because as a newer nation that now has the opportunity to compete at the world cup on the international stage at this level that they've never had before you want to prove yourself and you want to show up for your nation and show up for yourselves um it it, sandra it is going to be the best world cup that we've seen
2: Right. I don't think I'm blowing smoke here. I think we're both in agreement that this is going to be be pretty, pretty awesome. It's also another series of firsts. I guess that is the theme in this first segment. We're touching on all of the firsts that are going to be taking place across this World Cup. Uh, this is the first time that a World Cup is going to be held, A, in the summit, Southern Hemisphere and across two countries, Australia and New Zealand, are co-hosts for this upcoming World Cup. There are officially 10 venues across both New Zealand and Australia six in Australia and four within New Zealand, which is, I I like that. It's pretty even. I think Mm when you're looking at kind of how a a dual co-host kind of country is is doing things, I know we've got a men's world cup also on the horizon as well in 2026 across, across three nations. And it's not, it's not as even, you know, I gotta say, it's not as even there's, there's only a certain amount of host countries in Canada and in Mexico and the bulk of them, Are throughout the United States. So it's cool within this actual World Cup to see the 10 venues kind of split, mostly even between these two nations. And the opening ceremonies, of course, are going to kick off on July 20th.
0: Yeah, it all starts July 20th. That's why we're doing it today, June 20th, our one-month countdown. Um, And it's... It's always quicker than I want it to be, right? Like you look at it and you think, wow, a month-long tournament and everything that's going to come from it. Um, but it's always quicker than I want it to be because group stage starts July 20th with the opening ceremonies. There's two matches on that opening day. And that will run through August 3rd and 4th, I believe, then one rest day before the round of 16 and the, um, the knockout stages yep. kick starts on August 5th. So the round of 16 will be the 5th through the 8th. And then the quarterfinals, August 10th and 12th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. And then the semifinals, August 15th and 16th, with the World Cup Championship match set for August 20th. That'll be in Sydney, Australia. um, And the third place match will be one day earlier. um, So that'll be August 19th. And and these are all times in New Zealand. The time change, we'll get to that as we get closer (laughs) to it. Because for those that are in america or between the east coast pacific coast time uh there's a lot of changes especially when we get talking about like the late night games oh yeah then it's a different day for us i mean there's so many moving parts i've got many calendars going many different world clocks i'm ready for it but uh, july 20th to august 20th that's the span of the world cup there's going to be so much competition so much happening there and august 20th is the championship in sydney
2: I can't. I'm just like looking down the schedule of things and I'm just like, first of all, we. I feel like we waited forever for this to get here. Now it's just 30 days out. And of course, just looking at the rundown in the calendar of the dates, I'm like, it's going to go by in a blink, isn't it? Like, wow. that's how it always happens. You wait for, for years and then it gets here and it's just done and dusted um, before you sort of feel like it gets even kicked off. But even looking at the rundown of, of those knockout rounds and how things are going to kick off on July 20th. This being hosted in Australia and New Zealand, Southern Hemisphere, we're talking about how it's the first time out there. We're excited for a summer of soccer, but it's maybe not going to be blazing temperatures uh, for for these two nations. It's not. It's it's going to be a little bit cooler when you head into the Southern Hemisphere. So I'm, I'm interested to see how teams prepare for that as well. Which is, you know, this is usually it's been um, you know, kind of warmer weather. So if we're just thinking about France in 2019, I mean, we've had some pretty hot days that we were watching players competing during, uh, their days in, in Europe there. So I'm, I'm curious to see how, um, some of the flora and fauna might affect some, some game trainings or preparations, um, you know, ahead of, uh, the tournament as the group stage gets ready to kick off. Let's talk a little bit about teams who, who might, um, make some noise and who are going to participate, you know, in this World Cup. We're talking about 32 nations for the first time. And, of course, within that, that also means there's the opportunity for more debutants. We've got eight in this upcoming World Cup. Haiti, Morocco, Panama, Philippines, Vietnam, Portugal, Ireland and Zambia are the eight debutant nations uh, that are going to be participating in this upcoming World Cup. Um, within that, though, I think we're very excited about this in particular, Lisa, six CONCACAF teams mm-hmm. are going to be represented in this World Cup. It's going to be the first time that CONCACAF as a federation has had six participating nations in a Women's World Cup. We were able to obtain six teams through <laughs> an inter-confederation playoff. So when we're looking at the, the actual allotted slots for World Cup qualifying processes. They vary. They're a little Mm -hmm. different. Um, And so with Europe, the Oceanic uh, Federation, COMABOL, CAF, the the African Federation of Football, uh, UEFA, we're looking across all the board of these footballing governing nations and the actual slots that they have allotted to them for World Cup participation. So for CONCACAF, it was actually just four slots. But yeah. through the Inter-Confederation Playoff Tournament, there's three additional slots, and that is where we had Haiti and Panama clinch their spots for the World Cup. I-
0: and that's the beauty of having 32 teams in the entire tournament, right? Because um, the, you have all of the different federation play-in tournaments in, in CONCACAF. It was the W Championship that took place last summer that had the qualifying um, spots open up for four of the teams, and that's what happened there. But then because the tournament has expanded to 32 teams, they opened up this interconfederation confederation play-in tournament, um, which opened up two more spots. And CONCACAF able to grab two more of those spots with the six teams max allowed for this world cup is pretty freaking cool sandra like this is pretty cool because we talked about it so much that with with Many of these different debutants coming in, and even you look at teams in CONCACAF specifically, like Jamaica, that have been to a World Cup before in 2019, but they're returning. They have the opportunity to return, um, which gives them a leg up on, of course, the other debutants. Because although Jamaica didn't do as well as they wanted to in the 2019 World Cup, they they didn't win a group stage game. They got knocked out early on. They at least have that experience of. Going to a World Cup, being in that environment, living in the camps, um, preparing with their team and and getting this all situated. And we're going to talk a lot more about Jamaica and and their national team in this episode. But when you look at the debutants, Haiti. Panama, Philippines, Vietnam, Portugal, Ireland, Zambia, Morocco. It's fantastic that these nations get these opportunities to come in. And of course, um with CONCACAF, it's definitely a little heartbroken for you about Mexico. I never I, I, I never want to rub salt in the wound there
2: for you, but no, you've been so supportive.
0: <laughs> I'm trying here, but it's it's fantastic that CONCACAF gets six. Um, but I want to look a little bit about the the debutantes that we have. Yeah, absolutely. Have different teams. Um the United States in their group, they will be going up against um, Vietnam, two of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Vietnam. In, in this situation, it's fantastic because of that. Um, it's it's not uh, it's not as hard to be a debutant anymore because there are so many of them, right? And because the the global game is growing, there's definitely so many hoops they have to jump through, but they've got this nativity that they can go in and, and kind of own a little bit about what they're going to do and bring their game to their opposition.
2: Yeah, I'm definitely like, I'm, that's one of the storylines, I think, among the many in this upcoming World Cup that I'm very curious about. Um, when we look at these eight teams specifically, and also, just sort of where they kind of have fallen within the eight groups, it is, I believe, through for the World mm-hmm. Cup this year. Um, and where they can make an impact. Well, I mean, we're looking even just at, at at group E, which we'll talk more about because the United States women's national team are within that group, but even just within that group, it's Vietnam and Portugal, right? I think that might be the only group where there are two debut mm-hmm. type yeah. teams within this entire world cup. So it's just, it's like, that even kind of is like, it made me take a double take. And I was like, wait a minute, like there's two debutant teams in within the um, groupie, but when we're looking ahead of uh, ahead a little bit, we're looking at all of, of, of these groups and where these eight debutant teams kind of fall in. When we're looking at these Lisa, is there a group here that features a first time world cup national team? that you think they could go out there, maybe give an upset or disrupt something or shake up the group.
0: Yes, completely. I'm looking at group B with Australia, Ireland, Nigeria, and Canada. Um, the Republic of Ireland is a nation that I am very excited about, um, with the different prospects that they have on their roster with their journey to the world cup and how they were able to clinch a spot, um, and, and get into that group B, um, Yes, they're going up against Australia as a host country, but I think that'll give Ireland a bit more juice to go out there and, and, and dominate a little bit. Um, Canada is, it's going to be a hard group, right? This is not a walk in the park by any means, but I'm really excited to watch Ireland, um, in their first world cup ever with Katie McCabe that they have, uh, NWSL fans, know Denise O'Sullivan, of course, um, They've got a lot of talent. And I think the surprise element that Ireland will bring to this group is going to help them in the long run. They've just got to weather the storms. They've got to weather the storm of Canada for sure. Try to control that a
2: little bit. But I think they could pick up points and and get wins in this Group B. Okay, so I love that you chose Ireland out of Group B because it feels appropriately. So because we're doing this episode as the 30-day countdown to the world cup and on july 20th as co-host australia kicks off the world cup they're gonna do so against ireland yeah let's have fun with it do you think this is the game where ireland is like let's make a statement I mean,
0: they're going to have to try because yeah. you look it, look at it from Australia's perspective. They've got the opening ceremonies. They're hosting this entire world tournament. Um, they're the first game to kick off and to get going with things. They're going to have the pressure, the crowds, the home yeah. stadium cheering them on. They're going to have so much behind them. They've got Sam Kerr leading the way. It's going to be really tough for Ireland. However, it's the first game for Ireland of this, which – I think could go either way for them, right? They could either be completely terrified and and nervous, especially going up against the host country in this opening game, or they can approach it uh, with the utmost confidence, saying, we are going to go out there and play our game no matter what the pomp and circumstance, no matter who the competition is. But that's that's a reason I picked this group B, because that's who opens it all between Australia and Ireland.
2: No, I, I look, I, I, I love that. I, I think... This this match and thinking of the of the first two games of, of this World Cup the other the other side of that is going to be New Zealand and Norway I think these are going to be some pretty exciting uh, matchups I think I think Norway might might cause them some problems for. For New Zealand, but I'm I'm eager to see what Ireland brings on match day one against Australia. I think maybe they'll be motivated a little bit by some of that um underdog underdog energy going into a game like this. And I think you're I think you're spot on in terms of um, debutants who can maybe shake things up within yeah. a group. But I, th- I think you're not alone in taking a look at at Ireland and focusing the lens on group B. I think for a lot of casuals perhaps who might find themselves tuning into the world cup because they enjoy watching soccer solely like on the, on the biggest stage, this is the type of tournament that brings in not even those casuals, just those kind of like very non-typical type of Mm -hmm. soccer viewers, the type of, of sports fan that really just enjoys a big event. There are those types of sports fans that exist and I think some of these things with these storylines that we're touching on are ones that um, they may not be privy to. And so when you look at a host team, you're like, oh, yeah, like the host team is probably going to run away with this, though. Right. But, I, th- you know, we just got to look in April at Ireland against the United States and we know how tough they can play against opposition. There's something about um, kind of having a little bit of that underdog energy and kind of making sure that you have your strong game. To go against who might be considered the favorites within the group, you want to reserve a little bit of that um, extra game planning or finesse or mentality to kind of bring your best game against who are typically going to be viewed as the favorites in this group. But that's part of the chaos, I think, of Group B. It's a little bit unpredictable, right? I think maybe you take a look at Australia and say they're the hosts. Of course, they're the favorites. But what about Canada, our CONCACAF siblings who are going to compete in this same? Group Olympic and, champions, the gold, medalist. in here the gold yeah. medalists. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of excitement within within each uh, of these of these groups. I know Group E has the two debutants, and we'll talk more about USA within that. But Vietnam and Portugal as well uh, looking at those two teams. I think one of one of these two teams, if you got two debutants, one of them is going to cause a shakeup
0: yeah in, i agree in,
2: in the group like that's just i think full stop i think there's yeah. there's a, literally a 50 50 chance or 25% chance that a that a debutant within group e is going to kind of give a, a little bit of an upset result or maybe like I said shake up the group so I'm very curious as to what Portugal is going to to okay. bring into this into this World Cup um, as it's their first we saw in that inter-confederation playoff what it meant to them to kind of go ahead and, and and reach this level and reach this moment for their national team and their federation um, and I'm I'm excited about some of the the players that they've got on their roster. I'm I'm looking forward to, to seeing the, the play again of, of Silva, someone who played with in NWSL for a brief yeah. period of time and we know what um, she can bring to the pitch. So I'm I'm definitely looking at the two debutants in, in group E as, as well because I feel like with our lens on the US team we'll get a closer look at these two teams specifically heading into the group stage. But since we're already touching on it, let's take a quick break. And we'll focus a little bit more on Groupie and the United States and how they will go up against opposition kicking off on July 21st. Stick with us. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend
1: another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: All right, let's keep it right here in Group E because we need to talk about the top United States Women's National Team storylines ahead of the World Cup. In case you missed it, the World Cup draw took place several months ago and the United States were drawn into Group E. And we knew initially that they were going to play alongside Vietnam and alongside the Netherlands. But we all had to wait along with the team to <laughs> find out who was going to be that fourth team to join them in Group E through Inter-Confederation Playoff. And in February of 2023, it was official We knew that Portugal was going to be the fourth team to participate alongside USA, Vietnam and Netherlands in the World Cup. Now, Group E is slated to kick off their World Cup on July 21st. So while the actual World Cup kicks off on July 20th and we're doing our one month content, USA does not kick theirs off until the 21st. If you are local and stateside and looking for the schedule, USA will kick off their World Cup against Vietnam on Friday, July 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern. So we're starting off with some respectable timelines here, Lisa, to watch uh, the USA begin their World Cup defense, really.
0: Yeah, it, it really kicks off early for them um, with how it all kind of breaks down. Uh, we do have the situation for you in the U.S., as Sandra talked about, because the time zones and everything is a little creepy. But if you're on the East Coast, it, it's not that bad for you because to start it all off, it's it's only a 9 p.m. kickoff. Um, but looking at the locations of Group E and, and the group stage games where they'll be playing, the United States doesn't have that much travel. They're all in New Zealand. So, yes, there's travel, but they don't have to be going to Australia throughout the group stage. They kick it off with Vietnam against the debutantes uh, July 21st at 9 p.m. That game is in Auckland, uh, where the United States has already played in November at the end of 2022. The U.S. went to Auckland and they played a game and they also played in Wellington. So Black and, and U.S. soccer taking a look at the travel for the group stages and saying, OK, let's let's manipulate this a little bit and, and set ourselves up for success by going and doing this. You remember the U S played two friendlies, um, in New Zealand in November, and they played in these two stadiums to get everything squared away. So it starts with Vietnam. Then they've got World Cup international rivals, the Netherlands on July 26th. That came also at 9 o'clock Eastern, 9 p.m. And then Portugal to close out the group stage, another debutante that the U.S. will be going up against on August 1st. That's a 3 a.m. kickoff if you're on the East Coast, but it's back in Auckland. Um, So they're playing at... The same stadium twice, at least throughout the group stages. There's definitely travel, but when you look across the group stage rounds, at, at all the different nations, all the different teams, the U.S. doesn't have it that bad with their travel that they're doing. The competition, um, it, it's a pretty good draw. And we talked about this when the draw happened several months ago that uh, it could be a lot worse for the United States.
2: Yeah, that was a key. I think that was a key point in our takeaway. Even even when we didn't have the knowledge of who that fourth team was going to be at the time. I think knowing that they knew the bulk of their, their group, it was going to be Vietnam Netherlands. Uh, you have a team that you're not super f- familiar with in Vietnam because they're debutants. You have another team uh, out of Europe, a top 10 ranked team uh, that you are pretty, pretty familiar with at this point, if you're a member of the national team program in the U S. So uh, I think having Portugal kind of come later on, in February as they clinch their spot. That's another, I think thing that you get to prepare for in terms of unknown variables, mm-hmm. right? This isn't mm-hmm. a team that they haven't typically played against before. And in, in the past, um, they do have some recent history against them, I think within the last decade, but different team that they even went up against for both sides of the ball when they last faced off against each other. So, I'm very curious as to how some of the results are going to come yeah. uh, for the United States in in this group match, but I'm with you 100% in that getting drawn into group E it is a little bit of a benefit and that the travel is all contained within one specific place. that's not
0: the case for every group No, and every It's nation. not, it's there's, not. Gonna,
2: there's gonna be some some travel on the legs for some other groups, especially those who have to, to fly in, in different uh venues throughout Australia specifically. So to to go from you know Auckland to Wellington and back to Auckland. Um, I think is going to be a little bit of a benefit to to the United States. Um, And I think as this group stage goes on, things will get a little bit more challenging for them. I don't think uh, anyone should sleep on portugal specifically um they obviously had to take a longer path to get to the world cup yeah so i don't think they should be you know uh taking for for granted and i don't think the united states will be disrespectful and and do that they tend to take every uh matchup pretty pretty seriously i would anticipate that they want to to get the ball rolling yeah shout out to, to sd miller uh, yeah, pe- people in the chat are definitely
0: echoing echoing what you're saying, that they, they can't take anyone for granted. A lot of people saying that they don't think they will, No, no. Um, but it, teams are getting better, and there's a lot yeah. of competition out there, and
2: it, you cannot sleep on anyone. And I think as the United States, I think part of their game planning is that they are of the understanding that they know that when they take the pitch, they're going to be the reigning champs right they are they are the reigning 2019 world cup champions back to back in 2015 they've got the title defense they are on the hunt for a fifth star uh, a fourth consecutive or third consecutive uh, uh, championship and so a lot of these teams that they face are gonna gear up to go up against the top ranked team reigning defending world cup champions they are going to almost target and reserve and save their best performance oh completely to go up against this team so i think in in that sense the united states are like no we're not gonna take anything um for for granted here uh and not you know kind of game plan around these things as if they're being disrespectful and sort of taking a look at oh two debutants that should be a cakewalk i don't think Any of that energy is going to be there when it comes to the United States and trying to game plan for any of these games. So I am curious if it's going to be one of these effects for the United States where they find themselves maybe getting stronger as the competition goes on in light of how their matchups line up. So you've got Vietnam to start, Netherlands in that second group match, and then to close things out in the group stage, Portugal. And depending on what is on the line – for Portugal in that final match day, I mean, that could be a tense game.
0: I think it would be really intense. Yeah, because when you look at Portugal and and their schedule, they will have already have played Vietnam and the Netherlands, of course, heading into it. And and I think um the head-to-head matchup between Vietnam and Portugal is gonna be really interesting. Uh, because it, whoever, whichever debutant wins that match, I think they're gonna have just that much more confidence going up against the Netherlands, going up against the United States. But you're exactly right. The fact that the US ends on ends their group stage game August 1st against the debutante Portugal, um, a, a Portugal side that I think could cause them a lot of trouble. I mean, as we talked about, they had a bit of a longer path to get to the World Cup, but more competition is sometimes beneficial for these teams going into it because they've played more international games um, that that mattered and that took it to the end and that they could do that. They could go to penalty kicks at the end of their interconfederation confederation yeah. game and stick it out, grind till the very end, pick up a wind. Um, it's going to be trouble for the U.S. There's definitely not a cakewalk at all in this Group B match. It could be a lot harder than it's laid out to be for the United States, but the fact that they have to end it on Portugal is, is all going to come down to how the first two games went. For the United States perspective and for Portugal as well, because if they have a chance to squeeze out a point, I could think we could see a very different game at the end of that group stage match. If if Portugal just needs a draw, right, or, or goal differential yeah. situation um, to break through and get out of the group.
2: No, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you there, 100%. I, I did want to get your perspective on on some other things before we pivot to our, our final segment of the episode. While you were gone, some more injury news came along the way for the United States. And this is just not a headline that you want to see before the World Cup, but it's also a headline that's not unfamiliar for a lot of national team programs heading into this summer's tournament I would argue that it's a familiar headline for even some of the top 10 teams going in to this tournament. And for the United States, it's injuries to significant players. So we've in the past already have, um, you know, reacted to. Katerina Macario and her withdrawal from contention, just the timeline just wasn't there for the return from her ACL. We've reacted to, to Sam Mewis. This is a player that uh, was removed from contention as well because needed to just uh, really focus on her, her injury and returning to form. Mallory Swanson suffered that torn patella in the April international window against Ireland. We reacted to that as well. But the recent news of Becky Saran and her unavailability for this upcoming World Cup, I just wanted to get your reaction to it as well because you weren't here with us, unfortunately, to to kind of talk about all that. You were out and on your honeymoon, get, you know, going getting married, and I was like, Elisa, I was I just needed to like know what your reaction was and to, to sort of just give you a chance to to say your piece on it. What do you yeah. what do you think of of the U.S. not having their their team captain going into into this World Cup?
0: To echo the great Becky Sauerbrunn, heartbroken isn't even the half of it, um, to, to quote her on that one, because this is truly devastating for the team, for the United States, for Vlako Anonofsky. I think it's a big missing piece for him, of course, for for Becky herself, for fans, for media covering it. Um, truly devastating to hear and to see this. And I think the way it, in reflection of it, right, of course, this news broke a couple of days ago, um, but in reflection of how it happened and how it, it came down to it. It sounded like Becky was trying to get there, no matter her injury, no matter what was happening. She did play a couple minutes with the Portland Thorns in the NWSL. She got back into it and then she missed another game. Um, So it looked like she was looking to get back from this yeah. leg injury and, and make herself available for the world cup, which is very different than how Katarina Macario announced it. She kind of took herself out of the situation um several weeks ago saying, I am not, on the road to recovery where I want to be. Uh, But for Becky, it sounded like she was looking to get there. She was looking to build up minutes with her club team to get back on the pitch so she could be at least on the flight to the Southern Hemisphere, at least there in some capacity. Maybe it's not playing 90 minutes for her team, but that ultimately – the. The pros and cons of taking a player of that veteran status and ability who has been to two World Cups, who has 200-plus caps with the national team, their starting center back, their captain, their player's captain as well, um, it, it basically just says that the injury is a bit more serious than a lot of people were hoping and expecting. I think even Becky herself. Um, devastating. Devastating. Mm-hmm. I think when you look at off the field what a player like Becky Sauerbrum brings to this team, She's their captain, their named captain, their player's captain. Every single player speaks so highly of her, her personality, what she brings to the team, the fact that she is such a team-first person. Um, it, it never has to do with herself. It is always about what the team needs, how the team can win, how the team can be better. That's what has dubbed her a captain, and that's what has allowed her to have such a long career at the international level. It's going to be a bit of a challenge, I think, that – there needs to be other veterans that step up and maybe take on that role that Becky had, which it's impossible shoes to fill. But can they be a little bit more of that, um, super supportive, uh, Team's play team player that Becky Sauerbron has been, whether she's playing 90 minutes or or not even on the availability list for the team. That's what she brings to this. Um, it's going to be tough, I think, for everyone involved, for herself to be watching at home, for Vlako and not to have uh, that player to lean on as a confidant, as someone who can help this team, um, for fans, for the rest of the team. Now, I, I think you have to look at some of the silver linings in this because one foot in front of the other, you have to move forward after this news the team has to move forward it it provides an opening for the future center backs of this team to solidify themselves it provides an opportunity for maybe a player that was on the bubble of this roster in the in the back line to push their way through and get onto this roster and it's the next man up mentality i think we're going to see a lot more of alana cook and naomi gurma now than we would have if if Becky Sauerbrunn was there, um, but uh, of course thoughts and prayers go out to Becky. At least it's not as bad as it could be. Yeah, year. it was it was Thorns. tough to see.
2: You yeah. know, she's been navigating that foot injury, and then we yeah. saw her get some um, minutes in a later game in in June here for Portland Thorns. wasn't a lot of minutes, um, <clears throat> but perhaps it was something just to see sort of where she was at and how she can you know, handle some some game minutes um, with this eventual roster yeah. to be named. I mean, it's coming very, very soon. And it just seems like, you know, after evaluations, it just wasn't, unfortunately, the timeline. I think we talk about that a lot. The timeline is really kind of cl- closed the door to some opportunities here for, for some players. I know we talked about that with Macario specifically um, and Sam Mewis as well. But I think even if we're looking at, at players who had, Very impactful roles for just the previous Mm -hmm. World Cup. I mean, Becky Sarban is at the top of that list. No, Kristen Press, no Tobin Heath. These are all players that were part of that 2019 World Cup winning squad. So to sort of know that they won't be part of this one, I think you're going to have to try to draw and pull from other areas, like you said. Now now they get they get Earths back though, which was yeah, that's one of those two players. We'll see how how that looks. You know, I, I know that part of the big argument was, um, you know, her needing to to get more time. And it looks like she's getting more minutes with with Angel City. Um, so I think that'll be a big component. I think it'll be one of those things where when it comes to the leadership aspect, it will have to be a role that's split. You yeah. know, I think it's going to have to be across a number of players to try to fill the kind of morale that, um, you know, the Becky Sauerbaum would bring for, for the team. So it'll be interesting to see how they continue to, to navigate that moving forward. But um, yeah. it's I, I think I started by this by saying that it's not an unfamiliar scenario right. for, exactly. for a lot of teams going into this World Cup.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's so many different injuries throughout all the different nations. Um, and you rattled off some of the names for the U.S. between Katerina Macario, Mallory Swanson, Sam Mewis, right? Like, that's another player that a year ago we thought we'd have at this point. Um, and now Becky Sauerbrunn. I want to ask you about uh, Becky. And, and we just talked a lot about her off-field presence and what she brings. Now, she's not taking a roster spot. She's not a coach by any means on this
2: team. But do you think she will be there at all? I mean, look, uh, this is a player that still has a contract with a club. I know, so, I know. I, I, I don't imagine that there will be something that happens where she goes in a different capacity. Um, I, I think, mean,
0: even herself, right? Even herself to say, okay, I'm going to buy a plane ticket, and yeah, and who knows? And be, I don't know. I think. I think. If, not we know. If it happens, I would not be surprised, right? If we see Becky sitting with the team during team meals or uh, at training or or even there as a confidant for the players. And as someone like that, I wouldn't be surprised, but um, you're exactly right. She has a team contract with Portland Thorns and she's not going as a, she's not going as a roster spot for the U S she's not going as a coach for them. Um, Interesting to kind of see how it folds out. She'll definitely be on FaceTime though. (laughs)
2: I'm I'm sure there might be some, some check-ins along the way. Absolutely. Um, We have some more things to break down. Uh, as we count down one month to the World Cup. So stick with us after a quick break. Hey,
3: everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. Men's National Team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time,
2: All right, we're back and we're going to close out one month countdown to the World Cup with our final segment here. We wanted to talk about some other top storylines to keep an eye on heading into the World Cup. Unfortunately, there are some things that we have to keep an eye on for other participating nations uh, in this upcoming tournament. uh, Because like another common theme that we have found throughout various national teams preparing for this tournament, there has been some disputes between players and their respective federations. I know we have had to talk and cover a lot about Spain and their ongoing dispute with Las Quince, where We'll talk about 15 players specifically tied to Barcelona um, and how they have tried to, to ask for culture changes uh, within their federation we recently saw Jamaican uh, Jamaica Women's National Team the Reggae Girls put out a statement as well this is going to be their second world cup 2019 in France was their uh, first ever world cup appearance they went through concacaf championship qualifiers earned their place to be at a second consecutive world cup and with literal weeks we're talking literal weeks ahead of the World Cup. The players on the national team put out a joint statement that talks about how they have another World Cup preparation window where there is a lack of resources and support in their buildup to the World Cup. So the Reggae Girls statement, um, it was collective. It read as followed. It said, one of the greatest honors for football is to represent your national team. Qualifying for a second World Cup is something most never imagined or thought possible for the Reggae Girls at a time where we should be focused solely on preparing to compete for the world's largest state. We are unfortunately compelled to express our utmost disappointment with the Jamaican Football Federation. We're constantly serving in multiple capacities, trying to overcome inadequate and often unacceptable circumstances. We hope that by using our platforms to express the reality of our situation, our efforts will be reciprocated. So the statement is very lengthy. It goes on to talk about some of the things that they are looking for in terms of support and resource to build up towards this World Cup, Um, concerns that are stemming from subpar planning, Along with transportation, accommodations, any training conditions, compensation—we're still talking about compensation.
0: Compensation—we're still talking about that. Pay the players.
2: It's uh, it's just so disappointing. Is like putting it politely, mm-hmm. I think at this point. Um, and I just, I, I know, for for us who are like, we have like an, an ad, a vested interest in. Um, the CONCACAF nations, right, who are going to participate in this upcoming World Cup, like we want success for the region. We want to see perform well. And then to know that this is a second consecutive World Cup for this national team and these players, unfortunately, do not have the adequate resources and support going yeah. into the World Cup.
0: I think one of the very interesting things about this statement from the reggae girls and, and from the players um, is, of course, it's devastating that they're not being paid, that they, they don't have the resources, whether it's the transportation or the accommodations or the training conditions, the, comp- the communication, the nutrition, right? Those are all devastating things that should be taken care of. And unfortunately, it's a pattern that we've seen throughout various federations, um, specifically with Jamaica, right? They, they struggled to get through this, their first World Cup go around when they were debutantes in 2019. But one of the most frustrating things um, in addition to all of that is their lack of organization to me as, as someone reading this. And from my understanding, there have been plans made with Jamaican Fed- Federation or with within FIFA of meetings or events or um, things that these players needed to be part of that they weren't aware of. The players for Jamaica were not aware of, so they couldn't attend it. Or they had a day or two to prepare and get there. And when you look across the Jamaican women's national team roster, of course, there are a lot of professionals. You look at Shayna Matthews, who's in the NWSL, or of course, Kadisha Bunny-Shaw, who who's playing in Europe, um, one of the, the world's best, Jamaica's best goal scorer, men's or women's. There's also so many collegiate players that are on this team. They, they they dig a lot into the collegiate game for their national their senior national team. And if you're telling a player, hey, you have to be a in Jamaica in two days' time to get to a FIFA meeting, um, that's not a lot of time. That's not a lot of preparation. And, and you think back to your college days or even I think back to mine, not only playing in college, but you have the school aspect of it, too. And now, all of a sudden, you've got to figure out how to get yourself to Jamaica in a day or two so you can be there for these FIFA meetings. It's The the lack of organization is something that's very frustrating um, because it's one thing to have resources and it's one thing to have a nutrition coach and be able to pay your team which is all necessary but they don't even have someone that can organize it all and say okay we need the players in camp on Saturday so we should probably tell them before Thursday or Friday comes around and that's that's pretty frustrating as a player to see that and as someone covering it in the media to see that now.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I couldn't I couldn't believe like when I first saw it. I think yeah. It came up on my feed with Shayna Matthews specifically, but you see that across the roster, across the players, they had all shared it collectively. And it was just, I just, I was just like, here we go again. It was almost like deja vu a, a little bit. And um, Shayna Matthews also further sharing a GoFundMe that was, yeah. you know, started by one of the players' parents. It's like, of course, like players find themselves in this position to try to make sure that they prepare themselves for what's going to be a grueling tournament. Like the world cup is so coveted because of the difficulties in obtaining it and winning it. Um, so to, to know that they are essentially not getting started on, on the front foot here is, is disappointing to, to say the least. And um, hopefully they will get some resources and some capacity. Yes. Too.
0: And and the other frustrating part of it that was um, very much reiterated throughout the Reggae Girls statement is that they've done this before. They've been in a World Cup before in 2019 where um, they didn't get wins. They didn't play as they wanted to, and they were hoping that this time around it would be different because they're not debutantes. They've been here before. They've already proven themselves uh, to be a federation, to have a team that they can compete at the world stage because they've been to a World Cup. And now that they've gotten themselves back there, they thought as players okay it'll be a little bit better this time around because we've already proven we've done this and that we deserve better and it's it's falling flat to them they come out with this statement um just a few days ago right at at the end of last week so we're looking at a month and a half out from the world cup and they're talking about how they haven't been prepared they haven't had enough training they're they're not in the right headspace to succeed as well as they could be heading into this World Cup. And, and they're in a tough group. Jamaica is going to be in Group F. They're with France, Brazil, and Panama. And yeah. that's an uphill battle that all of these teams have to climb. Um, and Panama being the debutants in this group and and Jamaica – does have that upper hand over them as, as, they've already competed in a world cup, but I mean, it, it's not going to be easy for them. And the fact that the, the tough road is starting a month out from the world cup within their own federation is tough.
2: It's disappointing for me to like, to, to sort of see this come out because I would imagine that it's not just Jamaica. I would imagine that there's a number of teams heading into this world cup Um with perhaps let's just say limited support or limited resources from their federation in the build up to such uh, a big event a big tournament and it's disappointing in that some of the other things that are involved in this year's tournament we're talking we've spent the entire episode talking about some of these top storylines and key narratives to to kind of follow along Uh, within this world cup and a lot of them were firsts you know we're talking about the first this the first that and everything else and something else that i think within this it kind of makes me sad and in line with some of of this stuff that we're talking about right now is the fact that the prize money has been elevated in this tournament there's a real opportunity here for players to to pick up some significant prize money along the way of this tournament and it grows it grows as you continue to succeed within the tournament and it is deeply unfortunate and devastating and disappointing to know and to hear that some players are not getting the adequate preparations ahead of this tournament to compete for some of that significant elevated bump in prize money so FIFA has recently said, this is just last month, that players at the World Cup are going to earn individual fees, individual prize money for the first time. So winning players are actually set to receive $270,000 each. Mm -hmm. And that's if you win the whole thing. But individuals who are starting off in those group stages will earn $30,000 Thirty thousand dollars just for being in the group stage, but That's as you a
0: guaranteed minimum thirty thousand dollars from FIFA to
2: start, right? So then, as you go, if you um, exit out of your group stage and enter into the round of sixteen, that number bumps up. If you enter the the if you advance in the knockout rounds and go to the quarterfinals, the semifinals, right, et cetera, you are ele- that number is elevated for these players. So to know that. Jamaica is to the point where these players feel they need to vocalize this. It's devastating to me yeah. um, because you want to be able to celebrate something like this. It's like, wow, it's like FIFA's going to pay out one hundred and ten million dollars oh, yeah. in total prize money. That's wow. Like, look at that. Right. But at the same time, you're like, gosh, like are there players and within who are going to represent federations actually have. A shot at obtaining yeah. more than that group, that intergroup exactly. level. So. it's
0: it's like the double-edged sword of of celebrating yeah. 32 teams going to the World Cup, celebrating the six CONCACAF nations, but also um, those some of those nations still having to fight for their quality and what they're worth as players. And and even with the prize money that FIFA is announcing as you mentioned $110 million as the total prize money across the 32 teams in it, there was uh for FIFA their average global salary of paid players in a recent study was just $14,000. So now the fact that they're giving $30,000 as the minimum guarantee that's nearly double what they thought the global salary was of these players. So the the increase is happening and the money's there. I mean, it's still not comparable to what the men's world cup is doing, but that's their plan, right? FIFA came out with an announcement saying in 2027, they hope to have the men's prize money and the women's prize money for the world cup be equal. But it, it's, it's very hard to celebrate some of these big moments that FIFA is doing in the celebration of $30,000 as a minimum. Yeah. Um, and then $270,000 for the players to the winning team. When, you read the statements from the reggae girls and the Jamaican national team saying that they don't have organization. They don't know when their meetings are. They don't know when they should be meeting. They don't have field conditions and training schedules and anything like that. It's, it is tough. The game is growing and that's fantastic, but we have to make sure that we raise up the lower bar as well. We can't just keep breaking the ceiling. Someone has to raise the floor as well. And, and that's what Jamaica is trying to do right now.
2: Well, we'll see. Um, yeah. Significant increase in the prize money. We'll, we'll we'll see how teams compete for that, where things lay. Um, we'll have some more to talk about. This was just the 30-day countdown to the World Cup. We wanted to recap everything that we're uh, looking forward to, really, in this upcoming World Cup. We'll have some more reactions along the way. We're still waiting on a U.S. Women's National Team roster drop, which is supposed to come very soon. Subscribe and-
0: to Attacking Third on YouTube because as soon as the roster drops – Sandra and I will be going live. We're going to talk about it. We'll, we'll break it down. Who made the roster? Who didn't? Surprises. Um, and we want you guys to be there joining us to talk about it. Of course, it'll be out as a podcast as well. But it's coming because 30 days is not a lot of time before the world yeah, comes. No, to get and, that roster?
2: And look, everyone's going to want to react to it. You know, I'm sure there will be people who come and join us live and, um, you know, put on their grumpy pants <laughs> and, you know, talk about how they can't believe so-and-so didn't make their roster or, you know, talk about how we're incorrect and we can't believe that this is a good roster or a bad roster or whatever.
0: I want to hear the complaints. Comment chat. Give it to us. We like it.
2: Folks, they love that stuff. So make sure you're subscribed. If you follow us as a podcast, make sure you get the downloads. We've got all the World Cup content coming for you. We're excited about it. We're locked in. We're ready to talk about all things 2023 World Cup. And that started with today in our 30 day countdown. We've got more for you coming in the pipeline. So thanks everyone for joining us today and listening to Attacking Third. Lisa, I'm so happy you're back. So happy to be back, guys. Thanks for having just me. In time, um, just in time. Just in time to really, great. really get things kicked off here. Everybody go ahead and download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcast. You could watch us, too. So make sure you subscribe to YouTube, YouTube.com slash Attacking Third. The World Cup is just 30 days away. Be sure to follow Attacking Third for all your international World Cup news. And we'll be back with more. Regarding the U.S. Women's National Team World Cup roster content this week, so stay tuned for Sandra and Lisa Roman. This was the second third.
3: You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24/7. The UEFA Champions League Channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel. Streaming around the clock on Pluto TV, the CBS Sports app, and streaming on Paramount+.